Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, I'm John Maybe, and you are listening to Gather by the Ghost Light. And today's episode is a play written by me, playing with dolls. Good day, everyone. This is Gather by the Ghost Lights, original stories for radio theater. I'm Jonathan Cook, your host, producer, and sometimes voice actor on this thing. And happy Pride Month, everyone. You know, it's been great seeing on social media all the different events and the parades going on this month. And there's just so many of you out there participating and you're supporting. And that's just so awesome. And I'm very happy to have each and every one of you in my life. And man, I am grateful, overwhelmed, and just in complete awe by all the support that came through for this podcast in the last week. Uh, So many of you out there, you may not know, but if you ever want to throw a little extra support at this podcast, we do have a link at the Buy Me A Coffee website where you can sign up to be a monthly member, you know, getting some extra perks along the way, or... You could just make a low commitment, one-time donation. You know, maybe a certain episode will come along that speaks to you a little more than than the others, and you might want to give a little towards the production cost for that month. You know, hey, whatever works for you. And this past week, man, quite a few listeners, you signed up to be either monthly members or you made that one-time donation. And I love you guys so much, and there's just so many of you. Ted Newton, Amy Patton, Sharon Bell, Tracy Cook, Janet Mansfield, Miranda Patterson, Lauren Romagnoli. Man, this list is long, but I'm going to get through every single one of you guys. Eric Odom, Trisha Perea, artistic director of the Augusta Players, Scott Seidel, and also the esteemed award-winning filmmaker Kenneth Perkins became a monthly member. And also many of my fellow playwrights out there, you guys signed up. There was Kara Emily Krantz, Frankie Gonzalez, John Minigan, Stephen Hayett, David Lipschutz, Marge O'Neill Butler, Paul Donnelly, Evan Boffman, Mary Pat Allen, and John Busser. Welcome to the club. You guys are breathtaking. Literally. All right, now that all that's out of the way, let's get to what you're here for. So this month is not only Pride Month, but here at Gather by the Ghostlight, this is also what we're calling Maybe Month, because this episode and the next were both written by Atlanta-based playwright John Maybe. Mr. Maybe is an award-winning playwright with a resume that's even longer than that list of names I just shouted out, and today we are super lucky because we are about to hear the world premiere of one of his newest plays called Playing With Dolls. There's a toy store in town that just got a new batch of the trendiest toy dolls on the market. Unfortunately, the store has a strict policy that customers don't get to choose the exact doll they want, which leads to two men meeting in an alleyway to exchange the dolls they were given. A simple trade that turns out to not be so simple. Now, gather around the ghost light, sit back and enjoy. This is Playing With Dolls, written by John Maybe. And be sure to stick around after the story to hear an interview with this writer. Hey, do you got it? We don't have to whisper. Right. Sorry. It's not like this is a racial thing. Of course it is. I do have black friends. Me too. I just call them friends. Look, I just came to this toy store for a doll. I didn't think I would just get a black one is all. So a white doll is a doll, and a black doll is a black doll? No, 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 no. Don't make me out to be the bad guy. 
You wanted a doll that's a different color too. Can we get on with this? So, um, how old's your kid? Mine's maybe seven? Maybe. I'm not good with birthdays or ages. Mine's seven years, three months, four days. Man, you got a good head for numbers. Not really. I just love my kid. I didn't mean it like that. I'm sure you do too. I just meant, look, we don't need to make conversation. Just, I'll give you this doll, you give me that one. Right. Sure thing. Hey, did you hear the a fight broke out in the store just last week? Because they ran out of them? Watch the clip on the news. It, it makes sense that they have rules now. They could at least let parents choose, you know, the doll they want. Yours watch the cartoon too? Oh, that theme song. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if the mafia was behind it all. What? It's true. They're always behind the big money scams. I'm not in the mafia, but, you know, still got connections. Huh? On my mom's side. She grew up across the street from a family in the Bronx. A limo with a chauffeur would drive their little girl and my mom to and from the park. A limo. <laughs> Can you believe it? Uh, but we were never connected, at least not directly. Maybe my grandparents were because they immigrated from the south of Italy. Can't remember the city. I mean, <laughs> I mean village. Uh, it was tiny, but anyone coming over was somehow connected. Like they knew somebody who knew somebody. So, um, does your kid have a lot of dolls? <laughs> Look, my daughter is expecting this, so... Mine has just one at home. Hides it under the bed. Thinks we don't know it's there. Not sure how it even got in the house. Maybe snuck it in? Well, it's nice you're getting her another. Him. It's for my boy. That's not weird, right? I just, you know, well, I don't know. Kids like all kinds of things at different ages. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. Like what? Maybe this is something you should talk about with your friends. I'm not telling my friends. And a stranger is somehow better? Yeah. That's how you hear the truth. I'm sure he's fine. When I was young, I liked to dance. But I'm guessing you never dressed up dolls and made them twirl? No. I don't want to let him down. Have him look back in 20 or 30 years and say it's all my fault. Like, like I encouraged it. Encouraged what? I'm not a homophobe. I'm not. I got gay friends too. You need to stop pointing those things out. We just want him to have as easy a life as possible. My wife Maggie, this morning, she threw out the other one. The one under his bed? Man, you should have seen the look on his face. Sad? Worse. I don't know what you want me to say. I'm sure I'm making a lot of mistakes as a dad, but letting my daughter try the things she enjoys isn't one of them. You sound a lot like a shrink. No offense. That's not an insult. Just easy to talk to is all I meant. It's actually nice to have an adult conversation for once. I have so few. You a stay-at-home dad? No. Well, yes, but it's just temporary. No shame in it. Going on two years myself. I'm Carl. Gregory. I could keep it for you, you know, the doll, for your boy. When you want to give it to him, just come by, pick it up. Yeah? Let me see your phone. I'll add my number. Do you want mine too? My number? For what? In case you want to check in, update me on how it's going. I don't expect there will be any updates with the doll. Not about the doll. Then why would I call? I'm asking if you want to hang out sometime. Grab a beer. Oh. It's okay. Never mind. No. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. You're not interested. I meant no as in no, I don't mind. 
Wow, now don't I feel special. I'm saying I'd like to hang out sometime with you. Jesus, that was difficult. You always play so hard to get. Just texted you. That's me. Do you play chess? Mm, not so much. How about bowling? Eh, I like movies. Ooh, me too. We can catch a movie. Great. Maybe sometime next month? Or after that is fine too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever's good. Down the road, sometime. Cool. Cool. I'll see you around then. Sounds good. <clears throat> hey, you hungry? Starving. Come on, you been to this new burger joint on 8th? Uh, the one with the big neon sign? Yeah, that's the one. Nah, I didn't think they were open yet. How is it? Man, their burgers will change your life. That was Playing With Dolls, written by John Maybe. It was performed by Ryan Abel as Carl and Sean Moten as Gregory. So with me now is the writer of the story you just heard. He is a multi-award-winning playwright with plays that have been published and produced on stages in seven countries and throughout the United States. He is also the titular character of what we're calling Maybe Month. Ladies and gentlemen, this is John Maybe. John, welcome back. Hey, Jonathan. I'm so excited to be here for Maybe Month. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, my, my wife kind of coined that term because um, she knew that I was reading your stuff. And I was like, you know what? I found two great plays that John Maybe wrote. And she was like, you know what? You should just have Maybe Month. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so catchy. Let's do it. I knew I really liked her. Like I, <laughs> The moment that I met her at the play, I knew that I really liked her. <laughs> <laughs> but man, you have been having such a wonderful year. You know, it seems like every time I check your website or your social media, there's like a, a new play production you're announcing or a new play you're writing. And you just have so much going on. So just let us know what what is new with you. What are you? What are all these new plays coming out? You have so much slated for 2023, and I think <laughs> even 2024. So give us give us the lowdown, man. Well, thanks. Yeah, it, it feels it feels really good to to not just create something, but then to find people that connect with it and want to put it on its feet like that. It's, it's the biggest gift ever because otherwise I'm just writing in my house and I hear the voices in my head, but they never go anywhere. So um, it's all so collaborative and I'm so happy. I found people that are connecting with the work. My uh, newest play is a full length one. Uh, it's uh, a sci-fi esque play and I say sci-fi-esque because I, I say that the time period for it is soon because the way that technology is advancing, it's not, my play doesn't take place that far in the future, but there's still the sci-fi element to it that lets me explore and, and play. And um, it's called Impossible Theories of Us. And it has two readings coming up, two in-person readings one in Pennsylvania, one in New York City. And I can't wait to get out there. That is like, I, I just, I, I love hearing that. I love that you're so, you're writing so much. <laughs> you know, you're, you're very active as a playwright and I just love it. Um, so for the first installment of Maybe Month, everyone just heard your play called Playing With Dolls. And, you know, this is a play with uh, humor, compassion, you know, we witness this awkward conversation between two dads as they make this exchange of a, a white doll and a black doll. 
And what I love most is that you didn't stop there. <laughs> you know, you you continued addressing the important issues. Um, the the dad named Carl he reveals to the other dad, you know, the stranger he just met, that he's getting the doll for his son. You know, not a daughter, which you know a lot of people listening that might have been where their mind was going as they were listening, and then you know uh, we get this reveal, and so you you've given us all these life lessons in this tidy little play. So tell us, you know, where where did this play come from? You know, what was your inspiration? A little bit of the background, whatever you want to share with us. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it, you know, I find friendships to me are such an important uh, relationship. And I feel like so often we focus on love stories, which I love a good love story, but I really love focusing on friendship. And I feel like making friends as an adult can be very hard. And for two men to make a new friendship can be just doubly hard. And so I was excited to explore that in this play. Uh, the inspiration for it actually comes from real life. When uh, I was younger, there was uh, this certain doll that was out in the stores and there was a big craze over this doll. And my mom, and for Christmas, my mom told me she went to the toy store and uh, because it was so popular, they weren't allowing parents to choose the doll. Like they just gave you a doll, that's the doll you got and you're out the door. And uh, so what this, the, the setup of this play actually happened with my mother and she was walking around the parking lot of this toy store, um, not knowing what to do when she spots another mother who's looking the same way that she's looking. And my mother and that mother, they, my mother told me they walked toward each other, smiling at each other, and they did not exchange a word. They just handed their doll to the other mother and they just nodded and they walked away. And that story, had it stayed with me primarily because I thought, what a missed opportunity. Like, I always wished my mom had a conversation with this other mom. And so I knew I wanted that to be an inspiration for a play. I never ended up writing it because it always felt too personal, but changing it to two dads, it gave me enough distance from it to write this play. Man, that is awesome. So in your mom's situation, was it the same thing, like a black doll and a white doll? Yeah, or, the oh, same wow. exact situation. And um, it, it was, you know, as a kid, like I didn't mind what doll I got. Like, yeah. in fact, I, I I even want like there were there were boy dolls and girl dolls. I even would have been great with a girl doll. Like, I really didn't care. I just wanted a doll. I wanted this doll. Uh, but it's funny that these these two mothers they 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 were sort of in the, the same situation, and uh, and they just spotted each other and just knew what they were going to do. Man, that is that's. That is so awesome that you took this real life experience and made this such a charming little play out of it. Um, so let, let me ask you, so these two dads, Carl and Gregory, in your writer's mind, what do you think is next for them? Are they going to become good friends or is this just kind of like a one-time thing? We're changing these dolls. Or like, what, what did you have in mind for these two characters? In my mind, this is because you know how love stories have the neat, cute aspect to them. Exactly. Well, yeah. I think friendships deserve their own version of a meet cute. And for Gregory and Carl, this was their meet cute. 
And this was the start of their friendship. And I, I think it's a friendship of opposites because their personalities are so different. But I think as you discover in the play, there's so much that they share in common too. And one of the biggest things is their heart. They both have this really big heart, but it's expressed in different ways. And I think that's what's going to make their their friendship um, thrive and grow and uh, maybe be a bit combative at times, but those are the best friendships. Yeah, yeah. And uh, see, I also picture um, their kids seem about the same age, so it seems like they would also become friends. Uh, it's like you, you, you painted such a good picture with this play. Even if we don't see the after result, even if you don't make a sequel, it's like we can already see the future. And as, is that what you had in mind when you wrote this? Wow, you know, Jonathan, that's a really great idea. Like, I, I thought, thank you. That's a really great idea. Like, I really didn't think about expanding it beyond this play. <laughs> in, in my my mind, I do, of course, picture my characters living on. But I think that would be a great angle to the story. Looking at the the, the kids, uh, also, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, from what I understand, this play has had some readings and it's had a Zoom production, but it hasn't actually been performed on stage yet so is is that is that still accurate correct yeah like it's it's been so interesting there were two upcoming productions with it over this past year uh one of them the night of the show one of the actors uh got sick oh, and no. he couldn't he couldn't go on and they thought that they would do it they bring someone else on script in hand but they they didn't want it to diminish the the story with one off book one not off book uh so uh so it didn't go on there and then in a different production company the the company planned a festival with this play in the festival and then the company went under and oh so my gosh. Uh, like that is just the nature of theater so I'm so excited for this production. <laughs> it came across playing with dolls and then your other play that people are going to hear next week, uh, Tragedy of Owls. And playing with dolls, it just really, it, it stuck out to me. And, and you know, it's never had a stage production. So yeah, anyone out there listening, if you need a well-written, important little play, you know, to produce, uh, contact John Maybe at maybeplays.com because this is a... Uh, I, I mean, even the actors, as we were recording, they both said, you know, we would, I mean, this would be a nice play to see on stage. This is a, this oh, is a man. very important play because you, you touch on so many important issues um, in it. And it's just, uh, it's so, like I said, it's, it's clever and it's well-written. You did such a great job with it. I appreciate that, Jonathan. Thank you so much. Yeah. So with everything going on, uh, are you someone that writes all the time because like I said you have so much going on do, do you what is your structure do you set aside a certain amount of hours is it like do you treat it like a day job or mm. what, what is your writing process when you're coming up with new stuff yeah it's uh I I'm always fighting with my ideas because um, I'm someone who loves a blank page because I love just diving in I love it when there's there's nothing to the world and I I just create it. It's it's so exciting to me. And I have a lot of ideas and they're all fighting with each other to be heard. So what I'll do is what I did today, actually. I went for a walk earlier today because it was an overcast, rainy day here. And those are the best days. Because oh, I, sure. I, get, I love just, it. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the perfect environment for writing and thinking. And I started thinking about a new play. And I 
during my walk, I, in my mind, I came up with a few key pieces of dialogue that told me uh, the the worldview of these characters and their personalities. And I basically raced home because I wanted to start writing. And I have uh, one and a half scenes done of this new play. I don't know exactly what it is yet, but the characters are just jumping off the page to me. So I know I'm in a good place. All right. So hopefully we'll see that one in the future. I hope you hope you get that one finished out. Uh, so when, you, when you're writing, does, I guess like today, writing energize you, but do you ever get where writing just exhausts you? Or it, the writing process, mm-hmm. is, it, is it energizing to you or is it more, I guess, exhausting? You know, for me, when I got a good groove going, it definitely energizes me. And I, you know, like you said, you feel those characters talking, they're saying stuff you didn't even know they were going to say and, yeah. and it just comes to life. Um, but then other days it's just like, man, this is like, this is really taking a toll. So what is it for you? Yeah. Like, well, and when you say in the groove, I also think like in your own like zone, you're, you're in, in this special creative space and you just feel it. I love that feeling. Uh, I, I usually feel that as I'm writing, it's when I'm editing that I can sometimes get frustrated. Uh, it's the editing process because I I will go over a scene and I will edit that scene. I will feel really good about that scene and then I'll put it down. And then 24 hours later, I will reread that scene and I will look at an edit and I will say, what was I thinking? Like, it's <laughs> it, it's that process yeah. of, of like of like fine to almost like a sculpture, and you're you're just basically sanding out the sculpture at the very end. That can be frustrating. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, now, uh, as your career, you're a mental health counselor. Is that right? Yes. So, with that, are you able to use that in your writing process? Do you does it help you with writing having that as a career? Absolutely. Uh, it's that's a credential I, I've maintained for my entire career, even even when I'm not doing direct therapy. Uh, it's I'm I'm always learning and and growing within that profession because it's such a part of me. And I, I constantly use it. I something I'll do is um, I'm I'm not someone that is a firm uh, adherent to labels of any kind, because I feel like labels can really serve a wonderful purpose, but they can also be very limiting depending on the context. And so I will, I will diagnose my characters uh, uh, in certain ways with diagnosable psychological conditions, but I, I don't hold the characters to those labels. Uh, I just use them as sort of a framework for how would someone living with this condition, how would they approach the world? How would they approach their problems uh would they would they what would they say and what would they say underneath the words and so i use my training in that way um i've also been known to have counseling sessions with my characters out loud as if they're in the room with me that can be enormously helpful because as you said before jonathan they will say things that i did not know they were capable of saying exactly yeah i've had that experience a lot of times for sure (laughs) Absolutely. So it's shout out time. You know, you read a lot of plays on the New Play Exchange. You've made a lot of friends, playwrights over the years. Who is the 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 person or a couple of people out there that just really made you a better writer by either reading their own work or maybe they're giving you critiques on your own? Who's out there for you, helping you out, supporting you? Oh, wow. You know, 
one playwright that uh, is the first to come to mind uh, and will always be the first to come to mind is Ken Pruce. Oh, nice. Yes, was, I love Ken. Who, who yes. Is, yeah, who, who has been a guest on this show with his yeah. amazing work. Um, uh, Ken is such a generous playwright and his generosity is equally matched by his talent. Uh, Ken, Ken knows comedy incredibly well. Yeah, but like I was saying before about, about the two characters in this play having a big heart, you know, both of them have a big heart. Ken has the biggest heart and he approaches his comedy with um, this, this very sharp sense of what's going to be funny, but also what's going to be true to those characters. Uh, and I have to say, Ken and I, we talk a lot. And we talk about plays, we talk about TV shows, about movies. Ken's understanding of structure and character development and character arcs, uh, we don't always see things the same way. But when I hear Ken talk about these things, he always persuades me because uh, he just he just knows characters so well. So Ken Proust, huge shout out. If you've not read any of Ken's plays, go to the New Play Exchange, like basically pick any one of them and you will have a great time. And also, Ken Proust, uh, he wrote Science Friction, which we produced on this podcast, and also yes. A Benevolent Alliance of Mourners. Those are his two plays I think I've done so far for him. Uh, but you know, you're gonna get a, you, yeah. you are going to get a lot of texts and emails and messages now for all the people you did not shout out to. I set you up. I set you up, and now you're going to get bombarded <laughs> with all these playwrights yeah, who are just like, you didn't mention me, man. Come on. <laughs> That's all this stuff was so hard. You know, it's one of those things when I get questions like, um, like what's a play that you read recently that really spoke to you? It's like, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll stumble through it and then I'll end the call and be like, oh my gosh, why did I not mention these 10 plays that are on the tip of my tongue? It is, it is so hard. But as a, as a writer, I feel like we're always inspiring each other. I, I feel like I'm in community with so many amazing writers uh, you, you and me, Jonathan, are both part of this uh, binge email listserv where playwrights, you know, share opportunities and and like support each other and share successes. And I've made so many friendships just on this email listserv, which feels a bit outdated to use email, but it's so intimate at the same time. It's wonderful. It is. Uh, yeah, I'm a part of the Playwright Binge as well. I think that's where me and you first actually connected. Um, and then we, so. we realized that we had been in play festivals together and, um, and yeah. And then I guess, was it September or October that I drove to Atlanta and I saw your play, A Complicated Hope? It feels like it was September. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And Jonathan, when you drove all that way to come to see <laughs> my play, I met you and your amazing wife. It was, I had, it was so wonderful. And I loved, I loved sharing the experience with you and meeting in person. Yeah. So many of my playwright friendships have been virtual over Zoom. So it was great to see each other in person. Yeah. And if you, I mean, Atlanta's not far from me. If you have a play going on in Atlanta or just in driving distance of me, just always reach out, let me know, and I will do my best to make the trip. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. That would be amazing. And likewise, like if you have anything on, I will gladly make that journey to go watch your work. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So, all right. So before you go, remind us where everyone can find you. I told everyone maybeplays.com. That's your website. But if you have yes. any social media or anything, shout that out right now. Yeah. Uh, so on Instagram, I'm at jmaybe. And you can find all of my, the links to my socials on my website. There's a 
contact page. Uh, I think for social media, I spend most of my time like really on Instagram because I love the visual aspect of it. And so I think the majority of people I know on Instagram are other writers. And so hop onto my Instagram. It's where I share stuff about my productions. I also share things about other playwrights that have things going on to like also support their work. Uh, so yeah, you'll find me there. All right. So you, you're, you're not going away permanently. You're going to come back for the next episode because we're going to talk about a tragedy of owls, which is coming up next. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking to you again. We'll, we'll, we'll find new stuff to talk about. You know, it won't just be the same conversation again. Um, but in the meantime, you keep creating and keep writing and playing with dolls, which is such a fun play to produce. I'm glad you wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I just can't, I can't wait to, uh, to, uh, work with you again in the future. Thank you, Jonathan. And again, like I'm so humbled and, uh, by this maybe month, it's making <laughs> me feel just so amazing and supported. And I get to hear my work through such talented actors and this production. So uh, thank you. This has really been a huge honor. Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time to hear another play written by John maybe called a tragedy of owls. If you are associated with a theater and you would like to produce the play you heard today on your stage, send an email to gatherbytheghostlight at gmail.com or you can contact the playwright directly at his website, maybeplays.com. And if you would like to have some cool Gather by the Ghostlight merchandise, t-shirts are available at the merchandise link in the show notes. And also the year one and year two books are both also available at Amazon. This program is supported in part by the Greater Augusta Arts Council through a grant from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. Intro and outro music, as always, is provided by artist JK47. And if you enjoy this podcast, maybe you're a longtime listener, or maybe this is the first episode you've ever heard, let us know. Please leave us a rating or a review in all the places that you can. And also be sure to follow Gather by the Ghostlight on social media to stay up to date on new episodes. I'm Jonathan Cook, and as always, stay safe, and I'll see you next time we gather by the ghost lights. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.